Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get Uniquely Yours Ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details. What's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PML. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, Sam. So Who cares about what people think about us. Yeah, I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast, Steve Palazzolo and Mike Renner. It's not Sam. What's up, Mike? What's it's going? not Sam. Glad you're you know, back on. We, we get some feedback every now and again. There are some people that yearn for Mike Renner. The old days? They yearn for it. Yeah. Oh, I, I yearn for him sometimes. I, I miss oh, it. Everyone's miss in a while. me. It's so I'm glad to be back. That's why I agree. That's why I had. Other things to do, maybe some better things to do, but I agreed mm. I would take Sam's shoes today and fill it on the pod. Well, Mike Renner, currently the uh, co-star of the Two for One Drafts podcast, so be sure to check that out, obviously, wherever you're listening to this podcast or watching on YouTube. It's right here on the PFF YouTube channel. But I figured with Sam taking his little time off, it might be a good time to look forward and way forward into the 2021 NFL Draft but also a little bit of this season, we'll talk some rookies. We'll discuss um, the most recent draft, which feels like it was years ago. And a little rem- reminder that, hey, teams just got better a few months ago. And we'll let you know uh, you know, who some of those best fits were. But, Mike, you're, uh, you're knee deep into 2021, right, with the draft coverage? Yeah. So we got the guide coming out middle August. Uh, I should know the date off the top of my head. I don't. Maybe like August 10th something like that before the season starts. Um, Perfect. But yeah, I'm working through all the guys. There's going to be a hundred guys in that guide. And so I've worked through a, a lot of them at this point. Most of the positions, we have our position rankings actually up on the website right now. Uh, but it's going to be, there's some positions. Uh, it's going to help the passing game here. QB wide receiver. Yet again, there's some talent to be had at those positions. Yeah, I got to ask you about some of those guys. We'll get into some of the nuts and bolts, but you mentioned the, mm-hmm. the preseason draft guide. It's all part of your Edge and Elite package, correct? Both, yes. Any all subscription right. gets it. Any subscription gets it. So it's the preseason draft guide. Uh, and then, you know, once you sign up for that 365 days of access, you'll get the final draft guide in April and everything in between. So mm-hmm. um, be sure to do that, and we'll have more about that uh, as it goes. But as we mentioned, Mike's been evaluating all these guys, and you mentioned the pass game. Is this because you're looking at it through the lens of the past game or you're just like, man, there is a lot of talent that's going to, you know, help the NFL and where they need it most? Well, it's the QBs. This QB class, truthfully, will be, I mean, it'll be easily the best since 
I don't know, Andrew Luck, RG3, like the top two are studs. Trevor Lawrence, Justin, Trevor Lawrence, Clemson quarterback, Justin Fields, Ohio State quarterback. Like that, you can, I, I know it's, it hasn't been that way in a while where like the top guy coming in really ended up going one or ended up going two. I think you can lock those in stone. They're going to be one, two. They are that good. Uh, they were that good as high school prospects and they're that good at the college level. So you can set those ones in stone. And then got Trey Lance from North Dakota state from a talent perspective with these three guys bring to the table with arm strength, legs, uh, just a total package is kind of ridiculous. Like that, that guy is going to be a top five pick. I don't really care what he does this upcoming season, just because of what he can do physically Trey Lance. That is North Dakota state. So, it's going to have a lot of talent. And then there's one quarterback who we'll talk about a little later that I'll throw into the mix. That I think is also probably a first rounder at some point, but those three, I think like just because of how physically gifted all three of them are, you're going to see them all go top five. So let's back up to Lawrence and fields real quick. They remind me, you remember Julio Jones and AJ green. They like yeah. came into college together as the top two wide receiver recruits recruits. They go, they both go to the sec they both dominate in the SEC. They both get drafted in the first round. They've they just kind of like went together through the years. And I think most people agree Julio has been better than A.J. Green, but it was always kind of like a one and a two. And you know, they were just both studs, right? I, I think it was always even at the time you would have been crazy to go Julio Jones over A.J. Green. Like A.J. Green was that good from his freshman year at Georgia to all the way right. you know, all the way through his college career. He was just a stud every single year. Julio Jones had the physical tools, but it never like was really run heavy great production. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it never really was. You never saw him do it at a high level. Like you saw green do it. So I, I think at the time it was not really a debate. Like when the Bengals made AJ green, it was like, yeah, of course that was the pick. Uh, and then Julio was the talented one. So I think that's kind of what it's going to be like now where it's, yeah, it's Trevor Lawrence is the pick. Like what he did as freshman at Clemson against Bama in the national championship game. He's the pick. Like you can't, you can't just like, he's been too good for too long to go elsewhere. But Justin Fields has the high end to maybe five years down the road. We're looking at like, Oh damn, Justin Fields is the better quarterback in the NFL because that's how talented he is as well. Yeah. So they were both, you know, top recruits. Yeah. Everybody fought all the high school folks, followed them through recruiting. And now they're in college. They're probably going to be in, you know, a Heisman ceremony together next year. And then they will be the top two picks in the draft. So you think it's a slam dunk with Lawrence. Any concerns with early last year, like Georgia Tech game to kick off the season wasn't great. And we're talking a few games into the season. Trevor Lawrence doesn't look like the next sure thing. Are the expectations just too high for him to be perfect? Or you just look at this total package and like, hey, he could do everything like over time. He's going to be fine. No, that I mean, he did play like ass. Like he played like ass in those games. So that, there is concerning. Well, obviously, when a guy doesn't play well, but I think there's legitimate reasons why and, and legitimate things he kind of cleaned up as the season went along. Is obviously pressing. He's just almost overconfident. Just thought it was too easy for him after what he did as a freshman, and just thought he could go to his first read every time, and it would be there with you know the talent he has at wide receiver, and so forced a lot of stuff. Never really gave up on plays. That was one of the crazy things. Looking at his uh, stats, he only had like I don't want to say like a handful of throwaways all season long. He refused to give up on plays, uh, and that's to a fault at times, and that cost him some picks early on. But uh, as the season wore on, it got a lot better. Obviously, the LSU game, I don't even think it was necessarily bad process or bad, like, uh, translatable NFL things in the LSU game. It's just accuracy fell apart. He was just airmailing stuff, and that hasn't been him over the course of his career. So I'm not too worried 
about that, but there are there are there's bad on fields tape too. Like you go to the first half from actually the majority of that Wisconsin game this past season, and he's just slow to get to his reads, and then takes a lot of more sacks than Trevor Lawrence does. There's just things you're going to have to live with with Fields, but uh, they're both. Uh, the breadth of work for both of them is ridiculous. And Fields, uh, Georgia has to be like kicking themselves for what they did, botching that situation with Justin Fields so, so much better than Jake Fromm as a college quarterback. Like the fact that they couldn't bench Jake Fromm for Justin Fields is going to be go down as like an all time mishandling there. It's interesting because they went the other way. They said, OK, Jacob Eason, sorry, Jake Fromm yeah. is better than you. Exactly. Um, I think that shows where college football is right now, though. I mean, the the top four or five teams in the country are just so stacked and so loaded that you are making decisions like that. Um, you know, really good college quarterback in Jake Fromm versus potential Heisman winner in Justin Fields. Uh, uh, let me ask you this real quick, because I think a big part of quarterback analysis that is difficult, and I think Joe Burrow and Tua are going to give us some more information here. How difficult is it to separate them from their playmakers now? Because as I mentioned, if you're on one of those top, these guys are all coming from the top programs. And we have guys like Dak Prescott who have emerged in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes, guys who when you look at their supporting cast in college, it's like, man, these guys weren't as productive as the top guys, but they had to elevate a much lesser group. Mm -hmm. Burrow at LSU, Tua at Bama, Lawrence at Clemson, Fields at Ohio State. How difficult today is it to separate these guys? They're playing with NFL talent everywhere. I mean, that truly is the I think that's the crux of like quarterback evaluation now is is that aspect of it? Can, how, what can you, what can you put on the quarterback, and what can you put on the talent around them? That that is like all that matters because everyone can see when guys are good like Joe Burrow. It's not difficult to see that he's dominant and, and has all these things. But what what ask, what part of that was him, and what part of that was the talent and offense around him? And that's difficult. Like it is. You look at even Fields' tape, you'll see guys running wide open down the football field that he just doesn't even go to that he misses, and it's like how how big of an issue. Is that like the fact that he didn't hit that guy Would someone else have hit that guy? I, I don't know. It's, it's a difficult thing to parse out. And it almost makes you feel better about the guys who play well with lesser talent. Uh, you know, so the Trey Lances of the world, like if a guy's dominating, doesn't have guys who are just getting wide open uh, for him across the football field. That makes you feel better about a guy. But it is the one thing that I think is like what we're trying to figure out here at PFF. You also get at Ohio state, Ryan day, his offense has been fantastic. You know, Dwayne Haskins was extremely productive. We had the same questions about Haskins where his stats were at a whole different level from his grade. He had a good grade, but he had outstanding stats. So it, usually the difference there is some sort of talent or play calling and Ohio state has been among the nation's best. It is interesting comparing those two because they operate the offense very differently within it. Yeah. And you feel better about the way Fields operated it than the way Haskins did. Haskins led the nation his last year in yards on crossing routes. And crossing routes is just not a thing that – it's just not like a route. Like It was a lot of shallow crossers. Some of them were deep crossers, but it's like that, that – it's not really high-level quarterbacking is hitting a, sh a crossing route. That – that's kind of the easy part of the game. And so to lead the nation, that's like a lot of, I don't want to call it phony production, but it's you'd rather a guy who's hitting, you know, deep posts, uh, goes deep comebacks, that sort of thing. And, and Fields targets those routes a lot more in the offense. His average depth of target is over two yards deeper than Haskins was in that offense, same offense. And so 
uh, I do think you feel more comfortable about Fields having his level of production in that offense than we did about Haskins. And, and Fields did a pretty good job of taking care of the ball, too. So he was more aggressive, it, but he yeah. did do a pretty good job, uh, you know, avoiding turnovers. So we got Lawrence and Fields at the top. Uh, do you foresee any, you don't foresee any changes in our rankings? Something drastic would have to happen, right, for Fields to flip? Yeah, it would have to be Fields would have to just be like lights out this year. And Lawrence just kind of stagnate again because Fields are still, like I said, his performance under pressure, his ability to get the ball out of his hands quickly and like avoid sacks. He'd have to just all that would have to go away at this point for him to both both players to add a lot on the ground. And that's the thing. All three of these guys might run like four, six or in the four fives. All, All three of them can fly. Like Trevor Lawrence was running away from linebackers in that Ohio State game. He was a legitimate value add. Obviously, Justin Fields ran like a four or five coming out of high school. And then Trey Lance had over a thousand yards rushing last season. Like th- these guys are legitimate all dual threats that can add basically the entire playbooks open for you. And that's why I say they're the tools are so great that I can't see them falling because of what they bring to the table. All right, let let the listeners know a little bit more about Trey Lance. He's North Dakota okay. State. He's only going to be a redshirt sophomore, correct? Yes, he's, only, he's so, a redshirt freshman last year. Is he really even a lock to come out? You don't get a whole bunch of early declarations, especially redshirt sophomores at the FCS level. I think he's a lock to come out because I said I think he's a lock to go top five because he's got a cannon. I, he had a throw on his tape last year that I think went about 65, 70 yards from, from like – release point to where it was caught and wow the howitzer probably like i said runs in the four fives was uh had almost 900 yards on design runs last year and then you know a few hundred more on scrambles uh, he is their uh, like their running game as well as their passing game he's not polished by any means like he's uh it just first read and then go kind of guy like he does not he is looking to run the ball a lot more, but he's very accurate with football and he avoids mistakes. Zero picks all last season. Uh, only four turnover where he plays all last season, but they really do protect him there. Like 18, 18 pass attempts a game he had last year. That is yeah. absurd. One game over 25 attempts. Like just not using his arm really to the degree that it could, but when he did, like it was good. There were, there were not, he's not, like I said, making mistakes with the football. Not, he's pretty accurate at all levels of field. So uh, I do think just because of the tools he possesses, like that was, that was when Carson Wentz was there too. They were run heavy. Like they have never been a pass heavy offense. They weren't leaning on his arm. Uh, and I think his tools are probably even better than Wentz's to be honest. The, the, the number of pass attempts, that's a good point. We discussed uh, that Sam and I on the uh, pod recently, cause he had done some research on, you know, when NFL quarterbacks have to drop back 40 plus times and you put it in their hands. And usually the top quarterbacks, rise to the top you know you give it to them more and i know there's some correlation causation stuff going in there with you know chasing and all that stuff but who are the best players when you put the ball in their hands it was interesting that dak was actually one of the worst in all of those games and he is by some people viewed as a guy that's a little protected by the run game at the next level so um i think that does raise a question mark with lance unless they open it up a little bit this season oh he's only a freshman though like you know, yeah like we were saying and it's like they didn't have to they've They've won yeah. eight of the last nine national championships or something like that. They they don't they kill teams on the ground and he and he kills teams on the ground. Like he doesn't need to throw the ball at that level to dominate. So, so that's your one two three. We got Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, then Trey Lance from North Dakota State. Who's your who's this super sleeper that's ending up in the first round, Mike? It's not a sleeper, but I think Brock Purdy. 
Iowa State yeah. quarterback. Like he is the guy who I was talking about earlier when he's doing it with no help around him, when he is playing at a high level with one guy, his tight end, who will play in the NFL. The rest of that roster will not be playing in the NFL. Like when he's doing that at a high level and he has arm strength, mobility, not to the level of the guys we talked about in either of those categories, but he has good enough. And then he's better at like creating throws for himself because he has to in that offense. Because yeah. guys like don't get open one on one a lot. He has to manipulate linebackers with his eyes. He has to uh, manipulate tight pockets. Uh, I, I just think that what we've seen from already as a freshman and sophomore, as good as he's been, you know, like an 88 passing grade as a freshman, 82 this past year. Uh, when he lost to Keem Butler and David Montgomery in that Iowa State offense, I truly believe he is a first-round talent at quarterback. I just, uh, from what we've seen so far, as much as we are obliged to focus on every single play, every single play counts. We grade it all and all that stuff. I do alike, and we we always joke and uh, discuss, you know, falling in love with a guy when you first see him or that first mm-hmm. impression or whatever it was. And Purdy kind of had that. Like when I watched him as a freshman, it's like, all right, it's not. This isn't a quarterback factory at Iowa State, so they've had marginal quarterback play, yeah. you know, since since our friend Sage Rosenfels, right? Like they they don't in, in Seneca Wallace, like they haven't had great quarterback play. Mm-hmm. And then Brock Purdy comes in as a freshman and it just looks different. And I think there's something to it, like to that, right? To just looking different before you even dive into the tape and the specifics that you mentioned. I, I think I said this on the two for one draft pod. I said quarterback at Iowa State is not supposed to look like this. Like that Iowa yeah. State is not supposed to be doing what he's doing. And, and that matters. Like that even like Daniel Jones at Duke was not elevating an offense. They weren't a good offense and you know for as much as there wasn't a lot of talent around him, he also wasn't elevating that talent. He's elevating the talent. Like he had 27 touchdowns, 9 picks, averaged 8.4 yards per attempt this past season, almost 4,000 yards. Like he was that was a good offense at Iowa State with no help for him whatsoever. So that to me is meaningful. The whole separating, you know, the talent from, you don't have to separate the talent. Like the talent's the thing dragging him down. He's raising uh, them up. And he is very much a gamer, the anti Justin Herbert in that, uh, you know, he's going to go like the things that we criticize Justin Herbert for just like not understanding situations, not understanding, uh, you know, when to take the chance with a football, when not to, when to like go scramble for that first down. Purdy does all those things. He like is a gamer through and through gunslinger, whatever you want to call it. He has that uh, moxie, shall we say. Okay. When you think of moxie, you don't necessarily think of Kirk Cousins, but I'm looking at Purdy, right? And a lot of times you get a guy who's sick. He's listed six one two oh nine, And when you get that, you immediately, this happened with Baker too. Like you immediately assume he doesn't have a good arm. Right. And then your brain goes to a Jake Fromm or to a Cody Kessler and you're Chase just Daniel. like game manager, Chase, Chase Daniel. Daniel. Yeah. Right. So tell me why Purdy's not one of those guys. And is Kirk Cousins, I know you used that comp before, but like, is that a good proxy for kind of not a great physical tools guy, but, you know, a guy who gets the job done? Yeah, I, I think he has more athleticism than Kirk Cousins. Like, I think scrambling is actually a real part of his game. Um, similar to like Johnny Manziel ish in that regard where like he's, he's not going to be, he's not gonna be a run threat, but like him getting out of the pocket and making plays inside the pocket will be a consistent part of his game. Now Manziel, whatever throw out his NFL career because of all the off field stuff. But I do think that they have that similar ability in that regard, but he does have 
a more than good enough arm. It's not a great arm, but it has more than good enough arm. He shows it like he hits windows down the field that uh, NFL type window, shall we say? So, and he also throws with anticipation really, really well. Like that's the thing you'll see. You'll see dig routes where he's putting it. The, the receiver's on one side of a linebacker, and he's putting it on the other side of a linebacker. I love the guy to go get it, and that's those are the kind of things like you just have to do in the NFL. You have to be able to make that have that the wherewithal, the sort of the diagnosing ability to anticipate those throws. Purdy's already showed that consistently at Iowa State. I love seeing that stuff on tape. I love it. Oh, yeah. yeah, so Purdy's uh, over his first two years. I've got a handy tool right here where I can check it. PFFIQ. He is well above average when comparing him to other college quarterbacks who have been drafted and played in the NFL. Well above average in the yeah. stuff that matters most. Clean pocket grade. First and second down grade and avoiding negatively graded throws, throws beyond the sticks. So uh, definitely keep an eye on Brock Purdy this year. Iowa State quarterback who Mike thinks could sneak into the first round. We'll see if the NFL buys in. Yeah. So I, I think I heard you say talk about this wide receiver class and we're coming off of a wide receiver class in 2020. That's supposed to be the best since 2014. One of the best ever. There's a guy for everybody. There's, you know, debate about who the best five guys are or at least the top three. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me next year's wide receiver class is just as good. Is that true? Yeah, I, I think at this point, I said at this point in time, it's actually better than last year's was at the same time last year. Oh, that's a good cop out. That's a good cop. out. So like, I, I mean, that's all you can say. I can't predict the future. I try not well. Most of the <laughs> that's time, like your entire job is predicting the future, <laughs> isn't it? How good are these guys going to be? Well, I said I, I try, but not well. Um, yeah, but I do think there is. I don't want to say like more high level talent, but there are, there's just, I guess I say more high level talent. There's like more guys who are like number one type of wide receivers, I think coming up. Jamar chase. I sent you this take during draft season. Jamar chase reminded me of a bigger Antonio Brown and you know, I'm watching him on film and I'm just like, I I don't know if he's going to run better than four or five. I don't know if he, this was kind of like the CD lamb thing. Like, I don't know if he's going to look like the most, the best athlete, the most explosive player, but I just know Jamar chase knows how to get open. And if for some reason he's not open, he knows how to win at the catch point. And it's like, that just reminds me of Antonio Brown, right? Like he knows how to get off press. He knows how to get open. And Oh, by the way, in contested situations, Antonio Brown just played way bigger than his size and had incredible ball skills. That's what Jamar chase reminds me of. Yeah. Jamar chase was 19 years old in the sec, like physically manhandling Trayvon Diggs, who was six foot two, 210 pounds, a senior, and he was getting thrown around by a 19 year old like that, that he's going to get overthought because like you said, the measurables is not going to be, uh, he might run the four or five fours. He might, he looks four or five, right? He He looks looks like four or five. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. He, he might not test exceptionally well, but all like the things you want your wide receiver to do in terms of playing with physicality, playing, uh, you know, setting up his routes, getting off the line of scrimmage, those sort of things he's doing as a sophomore, you know, and he's dominating. My favorite stat about him is that he has of all returning players in college football, all returning wide receivers. He has 10 more deep catches than anyone else. He had 10 more last year, almost one again, more than anyone else in college football. That's incredible. I mean, that'll come back to our first point though, like chicken or the egg, Joe Burrow or, or Jamar chase, you know, how much did Jamar chase be an awesome help Joe Burrow. And we, we sift through this in our grading. There are plenty of plays where Joe Burrow is going to get like a zero grade. It's a jump ball. The receiver's making the play. And then there's other times both guys get the credit. It's a perfect pass, whatever it is. 
Um, that's going to test him a little bit from a production standpoint, not having Burrow there this year. And that's the thing. Like his, there's zero chance he replicates the production. There, there's right. no way. Like It just will not happen. You're not going to have the number one overall pick throwing you passes. So that won't be the case. And that's why everyone's going to be like, oh, he took a step back. What the hell is going on? Like, <laughs> he's going to be. Sophomore, junior year. You're I'll regressed. take him. I'll drop it's him. Like, I don't think he regressed. Like, I don't think he's going to regress. Uh, he's still that guy. And even based off this tape, like that's top 10 pick in the NFL tape that he put up this last year. So, uh, yeah, I, I just think he is going to just be damn good in the NFL. Like he's already could be playing in the NFL next year and be damn good. So what about the rest of this class here? Rondell Moore from Purdue. He is just so he's the hashtag fun to watch guy, right? (laughs) I mean, he is, uh, explosive can do it all line up all over the field. He's like the modern day, receiver yeah. and then you know the rest of this class where's where's the depth here so everyone was looking seems like everyone wants that vertical slot the and we got the henry ruggs kj hamler everyone wanted those guys this past season rondale moore is the perfect player for that role like he is ideal for that in terms of going to be a monster on jet sweeps he is going to be faster than any safety that's going to try to cover him now he's not tyree hill fast but he's probably like four three five fast which is plenty fast enough uh to test safeties and then he has good ball skills you see him make contested catches down the football field as a guy who's only five nine and, and again he's short but he's not small like he squatted over 600 pounds in high school this guy he is rocked up freak of nature what he did as a true freshman at purdue Another, like going back to the Brock Purdy thing, you're not supposed to, guys don't look like that at Purdue. Like right. guys, Purdue wide receivers aren't supposed to catch over 100 balls and 1,400 yards, whatever's freshman. Like he just is a different dude altogether. So uh, to me, he's not going to look, you're not going to be your true X number one type of target, but he is going, he's the, he's the weapon that you want in today's NFL to run these modern offenses that go three wide and have a guy that just is your kind of wild card who you have to pay attention to him every single snap because all of a sudden you get to hit a home run on you. If you don't do that. When we look back at Alabama and they just had Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy go in the first round, you've got Jalen Waddle and Devonte Smith potentially yeah. going in the first round. Do they have a legitimate shot at four first round wide receivers and Irv Smith, a second round tight end all within three years? Yes. I think Jalen Waddle is going to go in the first round because it get, comes back to that speed thing. Jalen Waddle will run. I'm not going to say he's going to run as fast as Henry Ruggs, but on the football field, he played as fast as Henry yeah. Ruggs. That guy, there's actually a rep from, oh God, what was the game? Uh, where they're lined up on the same side and they're both running like deep hitches. Waddle gets to his break, like there's like a 20 yard hitch, gets to it faster. Like he got out of, got off the line of scrimmage and gets there faster and like it just looked more explosive. On the football field, he plays. Uh, it, like a four high four two guy. He's just ridiculously explosive. And people want to say he took a step back this year. He took a step back because like he couldn't see the field. They ran a different offense this past season. They weren't subbing out as much. So we only played 201 receiving snaps this past season. Uh, so for him to get, what was it? Eight, 600 yards. Like he was actually more efficient than he was as a freshman. So I think he was our highest graded. It was on a smaller sample, but as a freshman was, I think he had the highest grade of that group between, you know, that was when Judy kind of burst out and, um, you know, had, had a yeah. ton of yards and all that stuff. But I mean, Waddle is impressed since the beginning. So all of those Bama is always loaded. The scary thing about what's happened in college football is Bama was built in the trenches, yeah. right? 
and yeah, they had a Julio Jones here and there, but they were built in the trenches. And then all of a sudden they started to get quarterback talent and receiver talent. And it's like, how, what, yeah. how do you compete with that? So yeah, that's what some of those top uh, top end teams are doing. So, so you really think the depth of this wide receiver class could rival this year. Is this, is this more trend because of where college football is going? It's more wide open. There's more options. Or is it just one of those cyclical things? Because we're also a couple of years removed from the Calvin Ridley class, uh-huh. Michael Gallup, James Washington. Like nobody really knew who the number one was. And it felt like a weak wide receiver class, even though a lot of those guys have ended up pretty good. Yeah, I go back and forth on this because I think it's I think it is a trend. And, and I think it more starts not because of colleges being wide open. I think it's because high schools are passing more. You, yeah. you get high school QBs and seven on seven is like all you do all summer. Uh, you're not hitting as much. Like So the run game is like getting you're just getting more spread offenses at the high school level. So these guys are getting so many more reps, these top recruits and are so much more polished in terms of when they're, you're seeing guys as freshmen hitting the ground, you know, going for a thousand yards. Cause that's, cause they've been uh, drilled all these passing concepts already when they're 16 years old. So I do think it is a trend. I, I think while those, you know, that four year span there from 15 through 18, 15, 16, 17, 18 draft were all, kind of bad like in terms of like the top end talent none of the first rounders ended up panning out you still saw guys in the mid rounds it was more of a scouting problem in terms of identifying which guys were good not necessarily the fact that there wasn't talent coming into the league so i I think that this is a trend of you'll just see more receiving talent and the fact of the matter is they need more like we've gone from right two wide receivers being based in the nfl to now three wide receivers the base for pretty much every team in the nfl so uh teams need more and i think there's going to be more in the coming years that was the point I was going to make. Like, if you say, oh, this guy's a number two, like, yeah. okay, that's worth a top 20 pick. Like, yeah. if you know you're getting a productive number two, like, that's worth it. You know, that is worth it in today's NFL. If well, you're going to get a productive number you're Packers, three. You're still not going to draft one. This uh, yeah, certain teams, you know, they're trying to trying to copy the team to beat them last year. So they're trying just, to zag. Everyone's, everyone's zigging. Yeah. Got to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to zag by trying to get five deep at wide receiver and, you know, really put pressure on defenses. That's what I got. So Hawaii model. that's the thing. Like, I, so the receiver is always a unique position, too, because it's a lot of like, how am I going to use you? How am I going to take advantage of your skill set? You don't have to be a Julio Jones, A.J. Green, high end prospect. It's like if you have this one thing, you'll fit into my three or four deep at wide receiver and I'll make usage use of you. And that is worth a first or second round pick. You know, so I think it's going to feel I think when you when you evaluate receivers, you're more likely to focus on what they're capable of, what in in projecting that forward, I would say in the NFL, uh, real quick on the offensive line, Panay Sewell, how good, how good is he? The Oregon offensive the tackle, it's the best, Just the he's best. out of this world. I, and so when I was first watching him. You see him just like getting out in space, leading a screen and like blowing up a DB or whatever, and just like his pass sets are so easy. And I'm like, hey, he's probably. You see a guy like that, you think he's like 300 pounds. You, you know, you think he's on the smaller side that because that's those are the guys that are quick in the NFL that can move that way. The offensive tackles, he is 330 pounds already as a 19 year old moving like that. It is out of this world what he can do from a physical standpoint. And, and then obviously he's just like technically already very well advanced as well. Like he is. Uh, someone's going to, I, I could see him sneaking in between these QBs for someone. Like if the giants are drafting top of the draft, <laughs> someone could go ahead and get one of these guys, go ahead and get Penny Sewell because he is just the, your, your, what the draft dance. Let's say your tenure starter is your tenure starter at tackle. Like that. <laughs> and he actually, nice is. job, Mike. And he actually is. 
you're going to win bingo here. Um, <laughs> actually, I wanted to circle back to that for a second because we talked about the three quarterbacks. Yeah. And, you know, I've said multiple times here, the NFL's in this odd spot where I don't I think there is there's plenty of starting quarterback talent. There's there's a lot of starting quarterback talent out there. There's a lot of mid tier starters, right? About Herbert. I'm like, you don't have to pigeonhole yourself. Who's he better than? Like who's he better than right now? Yes. Absolutely. Um, so the way I described it is like five years ago, if you said who's the cutoff between good and bad, who's Mm -hmm. dead smack in the middle on average, you'd say Andy Dalton, right? Like he's kind of like the prototypical QB sixteen, QB fifteen. But now he's probably QB 24 or 25 in the NFL. And it's not because he's changed. It's just there's more Daltons there, right? Yeah. So and it's like my he's point just reaching is, his prime, usually, for like how quarterbacks have developed nowadays. Like 32 is how old he is. It's not, not old by any means. Like he should be right. getting to about as good as he's going to get. So the fact that he's already had years where he took teams to the playoffs and he's now a backup is kind of incredible. Yeah, Dalton's a backup. Marcus Mariota's a backup. Jameis Winston's a backup. Like there's a lot of starting caliber quarterbacks that are backup now yeah. backups. Now you could make the point that Mitchell Trubisky might not start, but he doesn't deserve a job or Josh Allen. Yeah, no, could yeah, be, yeah. You know. By the way, we have to hit PFF NFL podcast bingo and have some sort of we have, uh, to talk about negative, Josh Allen. we have to have a negative Josh Allen comment nice. and we have to have a negative Christian Hackenberg comment. So mm. thoughts on him pitching. Think Hackenberg? he can do it. He started Hackenberg's. Pitching? He's become a pitcher. He's trying to become really? a minor league. Yeah. I would like I would skew away from the positions that throw if I were him. I'd go first base. <laughs> That's a good answer. Right? I was so diplomatic. I was like, oh, you know, you know, it, the, the targets don't move anymore and he doesn't have to process information. Yeah. Maybe it'll be better. But you I know, wouldn't look trust at you. him to even throw out a first pitch. You know? Oh, but, gosh. Wow. Nah, OK, that's too. That's too far. That's so mean to Christian. So, yeah, if you guys have Hackenberg and Josh Allen and, you know, bingo, uh, I guess my point on those top three quarterbacks, like who's actually going to be in need? of a quarterback a year from, from now? Is it, is it the Raiders out of nowhere? Like they completely sour on Derek Carr. Is it the bills, the jets? Like who needs a quarterback a year from now for these top three teams, you know, for these top Um, three guys, I'm not putting you on the spot. It's just like, it's um, discussion about like where the NFL is right now. Yeah. As far as quarterbacks. I would say definitely the Jaguars, like Jaguars will be, I think that was their plan almost at this point from what we saw this past draft. Let's yeah. go get a quarterback. Um, Gardner I think, Minshew might be too good for them to tank, though. He might yeah. be too good, have too good, you know, that fourth quarter magic for them to tank. And, and I think you'll see someone bottom out with like injury, kind of how the Bengals did this past year, where it's like, oh, you had like a yeah. middling guy who you were like all right with, maybe like the Lions, Stafford, if, if the back's not healthy, yeah. bottom out, and it's like, all right, now it's time to move on. Now or, you know, it's the Raiders, car gets hurt. Eh, now it's time to move on. Something like that. I, I think you'll also see will be probably like the top two. Uh, and I, then, I think the Panthers are in that mix. Yeah. You know, they didn't get too tied to Teddy Bridgewater. You know, mm-hmm. like they left enough flexibility there. But I think that's that's the interesting thing, too. You're, t- you're saying there's three legitimate talents coming into the league. And we're in a league that has 32 starters, where I think five or 10 years ago, finding 20 starters was was a challenge. So. Yeah. And that also uh, speaks to the kind of the seven on seven thing. Like you're getting more quarterback yeah. talent because they're passing earlier too. So yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, people predicted that a few years ago and I didn't completely buy it. Right. I think a few years ago, you're like, listen, mm-hmm. Brady's going to be gone soon. Breeze is going to be gone. Aaron Rodgers, yeah. Peyton Manning, all those guys are going to be gone soon. And then the next tier of rivers and Roethlisberger and mm-hmm. all those guys are going to be gone. Like who's going to take over. And I think we've, 
we've got a Mahomes now. You've got Watsons and you've got guys that can move things forward. And then, and then it's also been with like modern athletic training. Guys of careers have lasted a lot longer than maybe they did 20 true. years ago. So. Very true. Um, let's defensive side of the ball. Where's the strength of the draft? You, you mentioned pass game, obviously on the offense. Can, is there anybody that can stop the pass now on defense? Well, I think it's linebacker. We've been talking about how the last couple classes have been meh linebacker classes in terms of just like the depth, this linebacker class already, I think it's four guys who are legit linebacker prospects, maybe not at all first round, but first maybe borderline first round, which is, you haven't even have been able to say that about the last two years. I don't think like it is a legitimately good linebacker class coming up. And we talked about Penny Sewell being like best since whoever you want to say, Micah Parsons from Penn state is the best since whoever you want to say. This dude is a all, all around elite linebacker prospect. He's uh, the old school Penn state linebacker. They used to trot these guys out there yes. every single year. Right. I mean, in, he plays the run extremely well. I mean, there's a little bit of throwback to his game there too. Is there, is there enough modern to his game? Well, so that's the thing. It's like, he's 250. He looks like he's a throwback, like six three, two fifty. blitzes like a monster, like could actually legitimately be there. Probably is their best edge rusher right now. Like there was last year in terms of like they had Etor Gross Matos, Jason Noe. He's better than both those guys in terms of when he rushes the passer. But he can move. He, he was on. He was number seven on Bruce Feldman's freaks list last year because he went in the four fours uh, at Penn State's whatever spring meet. He is a legitimate freak of nature. What he can do athletically, uh, and I think you saw more playmaking as the sort of year went along last year. And he had the second highest run defense grade of any linebacker we've graded in our six years of doing this college level. Uh, well, only how one higher was Reuben Foster and. I was as a true sophomore, Michael Parsons. This guy's uh, very, very good in terms of what he can do. Uh, just anything on the football field. He's just very good. Foster could be a good comparison there because off-field craziness aside, Foster was one of those linebackers we thought was probably as good as we evaluated yeah. during our time, right? As far as doing everything, run game and his, he would run the seam and, you know, pretty much do it all. Yeah, so Foster was, so he's, Basically on Ruben Foster's level in terms of like how he processes and is able to diagnose and you know and just like the speed at which he plays and then is basically add about fifteen more pounds a few three <laughs> inches uh, of height and is also a year younger doing it you know a year younger wow. before Foster came out like this guy is he is that good so he'll probably be a top I'd say top five pick like him Penny Sewell and then the three QBs if I had to say right now are your top five in the next year's draft. So you go positional value for sure. You got the three quarterbacks and then you just two guys who just look like sure things. Yeah. Attack. I'm not that the positional value is not there at tackle, but two guys who just look the part, right? Quote unquote, more bingo there. Um, Dylan Moses, another Alabama linebacker. He was potentially going to come out this year, got hurt. Uh, A lot of people liked him. He hasn't played a ton of football, but uh, you have him at number three right now in our linebacker rankings. Yeah, so he was, I actually didn't know this until Austin brought it up. He was a guy whose like, dad forced him to train like twice a day growing up. Was like one of those, I think his dad was like maybe ex-military or something. So he's, he's a freak Harry, finish that last set of squats, <laughs> Harry. Let's go. Team, so, I mean, honestly, gotta, you got to get him started young. It's, it's, it's 2020. You got other fathers doing the same thing. Come on. But, my no, kids he, are going to find their own way. I'm not going to force <laughs> them into anything, Mike. He's so explosive, though, Moses. Uh, and, and he's such a good tackler. Like you see it out in space, plays with 
plays on your balance uh, all the time. They just he's not like uh, your oh man, he's the Ohio State guy that I love roasting, Darren Lee, who had the worst balance fan mm. linebacker. Is just like falling all over himself trying to make tackles. No, Dylan Moses, like that is a sure thing to me. If you put him in, it's similar to Bobby Wagner in that regard, where it's just like he will tackle you if you are like within three feet of you, with within three feet of him, he's explosive enough. Uh, he's physical enough and is that good a form and that good a balance that like, he's just going to wrap up and that has a ton of value in the NFL. That's his by far and away his best trait. We just didn't see him actually like stick with guys in man coverage or like cover one-on-one or make any sort of plays. He hasn't had a pass breakup in his life at Alabama in two years, you know, of playing there. So that's the thing that still needs to come along, but the physical attributes off the charts with Moses. According to our research staff here, Dylan Moses was offered a scholarship from Alabama at only 14 years old, Mike, yep, there you at go. an LSU camp. So how about that? Thank you, crack research staff. Sending me Slack messages during the uh, during the live podcast. That was your oh. podcast partner, Austin Gale there. He's a big fan listening live right now. Oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah, I think he's jealous. He misses you. He's jealous. <sighs> you guys back tomorrow? No. When are you guys on again? Next week. We go once Next a week, week. now. Next Not week. a lot of content going on in the football world, Steve, as you probably realize. That's why I have you on talking 21, 21 draft. <laughs> yeah, right. It's good. But the people are listening. Millions and millions are going to be listening to it. Uh, what about in the secondary, Mike? Where corner safety? Are there versatile coverage players? Uh, what are we looking at here? There are two guys that I really like at corner and safety right now. One at corner is Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. 6'2", I think he's going to run the four threes. This guy can fly. Had a really, really good year this past year. I thought could have came out and been a first rounder, but uh, it was only like one year removed from an ACL. Uh, so ended up coming back to school. But man, he is physical. Had a dominant year this past year. Four picks, nine pass breakups, passer rating against him, 26.8 allowed. Uh, to me, he's cornerback one in this class, but it's kind of hotly contested. You got Sean Wade from Ohio State, who might be the next guy in that pipeline, but he only played slot at Ohio State. And if you're projecting guys from slot to outside cornerback in the NFL, it's just hairy. We saw Minka Fitzpatrick literally not be able to do it in Miami. They tried yeah. him for, I think, three games his rookie year and just got torched at outside cornerback. Said, screw it. Move him back to safety. Uh, he's been a great safety. So Sean Wade playing well at slot cornerback does not mean he will do well outside, but we will get that chance, hopefully, to see this fall. Uh, and then the other one's Patrick Sertain from Alabama. Been starting since he was a true freshman there. They just had monsters. Uh, he's another guy who's just enormous. 6'2", I think 205. Uh, beats up the guy across from him. Not that fast, though, unfortunately. So I, I wonder where he ends up draft-wise because he doesn't seem like he's a 4'4 type of guy that usually goes high. Let's not like, – we, we try to remind NFL teams here. Remember, like the whole point of Moneyball back in the day was to try to find value where maybe the rest of the league didn't think there was value, right? The slot cornerback position is still undervalued to a point only because of the exact discussion that you just had. Like, hey, Sean Wade, oh, he plays in the slot. He might not be able to play on the outside. Like the NFL is going to look at him and they're not going to say, here's this guy that we can draft who's going to really help our football team at a valuable position like slot corner. They're going to say, can he play outside? The same thing we said, yeah. a lot of people said about Minka a couple years ago. And we said, no, keep him right there. If That's you know, if it's the right scheme, not you don't want to play a ton of man coverage with yeah. Minka, but put him in the role where he's going to add a ton to your defense and maybe not be priced as high as the outside corner. So I think the NFL's got to wrap their head around that as well. 
I think Tyron Matthews helping with that in terms of seeing what he did with the Chiefs. The fact yeah. that his role of playing, you know, half slot, half safety, that sort of thing, which is, you know, where you would play a guy like Minka, ideally, where you play a number of these guys coming out of college, because that's a role in college football now. Um, I, I think drafting, seeing guys like that succeed and how impactful they can be in our wins above replacement metrics says that that's like an incredibly impactful role. I think it's like the fifth most valuable position now, safety, uh, in terms of like the top 10. Uh, the average of the top 10 wins by replacement at the position. Safety is one of the most valuable positions in the NFL, it says, because of how often it impacts the passing game and how often those plays, the high leverage plays, the downfield passes, the ones that need to be made, having a guy that can make those plays is very, very important. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I do think smarter teams are realizing. Just think about it in to simple yards terms, right? A linebacker can make five plays that, you know, our three yard gain here and a three yard gain there. If a safety doesn't make the one play that leads to a 25, 30, 50 yard gain that, you know, that that matters a lot more than the other eight or 10 that a yeah. linebacker either made or didn't make in and around the line of scrimmage. Um, and then I think you have slot corners around the league like Mike Hilton from the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mikel Roby Coleman. Like I was looking through the Eagles depth chart um, just today and I'm looking at all they have is hybrid players in like <laughs> stolen value in a few key areas like Nikel Roby Coleman, Nikel like when they went to the Super Bowl in 2017, Patrick Robinson was the best slot corner in the NFL. Like that was one of the difference makers that particular year. And I think and then uh, losing the NFL him, they needs to, fell off a goddamn cliff. You know, they like did. They, they right? lost. Like you just lost it. So, yeah. It and, and 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 again, in this whole pass rush versus coverage debate, it, nothing's black and white. But you can see that the Eagles have had a top three pass rush for the last five years. Mm -hmm. Right. Few different players. But they're eight deep on the D-line. The pass rush has been consistently good. The difference has been how well are they playing on the back end. And when they had that good slot corner, that was yeah. part of their really good team. Um, anyway, we've touched on a lot of players. Do you have any other class favorites? You know, who's going who's gonna to get the oh, favorable right? I never, I never threw uh, the safety in there that I like. Andre Sisco from oh. Syracuse. This guy is awesome to watch. Yeah. I, I love to throw around the fun to watch tag because it doesn't mean anything. Besides just like, you know, football is fun to watch in general, but this guy can fly. He is. And in two years at Syracuse, 12 picks already and 13 pass breakups at safety at Syracuse. Another one of it ain't supposed to happen. Syracuse safety yeah. ain't supposed to put up 12 picks and 13 pass breakups, but he's, and he's going to be a four, three guy. And he's got good enough size. Six foot two Oh three reminds me a lot of our boy. Darnell Savage. Darnell Savage. Darnell Savage. He's just a playmaker. This guy. I just had visions of Darnell Savage flying around the field mm -hmm. at Maryland as you're describing Cisco yeah. and all that, that stuff. I'm going to fire up the tape right now. Uh, he's for, not. Uh, uh, he ain't going to be your run game sort of player. Nah, that that wasn't cares. Savage either. But no. coverage, what he can do, I, I, I think this guy is going to be a first rounder. He's just, he's just sometimes a liability. Sometimes he gets beat deep. Sometimes takes a few too many <laughs> chances. But man, you cannot coach playmaking. So him, uh, and I'll throw in Duke. Chris Rumpf, he's the best defensive lineman in the country. He is not really a defensive lineman yet. He's six foot two, two hundred twenty-five pounds, but he has the best pass rushing move set I have seen in my six years of grading college football. He just really can throw anything at you at any point in time. His dad is an outside linebackers coach, so he better be able to get him rush the passer. Uh, and I mean, he did. He was the most on a snap stat basis. Had the highest win rate in the country last year, higher than Chase Young. He's just very, very good at those things. He just needs to get 
bigger than 225 pounds. How big? Because again, we've, I love now that we have what, six years uh, of the college data and it was tough for us at first. It's like, look at this awesome pass rusher. Too bad he's 230. Too bad he's 235. And there's, there's not necessarily like a hard cutoff point at the NFL level. For me, the cutoff point is, can you win with power? Can like, does the offensive tackle have to be at least afraid of a little bit of power and the undersized, really good college rushers that did not translate to the NFL did not have any power to the exactly. game. It was pure burst. So where does Rump stand there? And our are, are teams are going to, are they going to see 225 and say, you're, you're a linebacker? Oh, I mean, he probably had about eight long arm bull rush pressures on tape last year, like actual legitimate nice. bull rush pressures. So if he can get to 240, like Zach Bond did not have eight bull rush pressures last year and was 240 something pounds. So if he can get to 240, he's explosive enough and talented enough that I, I think he can get the job done. There are guys doing it at the NFL level at 240. He's not, you know, special athletically, but I think you'll be more than good enough that if he can get to that sort of cutoff point, uh, he can win and he could stay on the edge. But I don't know, we'll see. He's he's one to watch that I'm, I'm hoping gets his weight up because he's another fun to watch guy. I mean, he's just like very good at football already. So currently our number three edge defender. Is, is this going to be a good class of pass rushers? Last year was kind of Chase Young and then eh, a lot of question marks. Better is it than any better? I think it's yeah. better than that, but it has a lot of guys who are kind of just athletic projects right now. You've got um, Jason Owe from Penn State, who was actually ahead of Micah Parsons on Bruce Feldman's freaks list. He was sixth. He reportedly, guess what his reported 40 time was at 257 pounds? 438? 433. Oh, jeez. Which is... Really? I'm not sure I believe that, but I mean, again, they, they didn't... I don't know what Penn State has to gain from pumping these guys up, and they were also like... They didn't pump like Saquon Barkley and Mike Kosecki and uh, who were, who was the white safety that like those guys flew and Troy up the combine. Yeah. Troy Apke. Like they, yeah. they didn't have to pump those guys up, pump their tires and they were all freak athletes. So the fact that they reported that he might be, and, and he looks explosive as hell on tape. So uh, he's, he's sort of just a project. You got Greg Rousseau, Miami, who's literally just switched to defensive line and put up 16 sacks last year and who has probably 36 inch arms and a six, seven, and, you know, built like Mario Williams, but like it is just just learning how to play defensive line because he was like a safety in high school, a safety and a wide receiver. So he's a freak. And then you have the Ohio State kid who names escaping me right now um, that I should know better uh, and might as well off the top of my head. But he uh, is, I think, a redshirt sophomore. He is also. It's just those Ohio State guys. They're so well coached. They and they rush the passer the right way, and that they don't. They react. I don't know if you do. You ever see the the Urban Meyer thing from Tyreek last Smith from Meyer. game day? What Ty, Tyreek Smith? Tyreek Smith. Okay. Yeah. The the Urban Meyer sort of uh, it was on the Fox pregame show about how they teach pass rushing at Ohio State. I didn't see it. No, it was so, and it was very enlightening in terms of they approach that. They don't, they don't do the same thing every single time, but when they have like a one-on-one, they know they're going to get a one-on-one, they approach and then base their pass rushing plan off of what the offensive tackle does. And it's off of, you know, how they have their hands set and how they have their feet set. There's like a way to react off of each one. And it's, I mean, this is why those Ohio State guys just know how to rush the passers because yeah. they don't come with a plan. They help come with a set of rules that they're going to employ based Reaction. off of what you do. And so that yeah. they always, uh, and he's already adept at it. The dude's really, really strong as well for only being a, I think it was a retro freshman last year. So th- there, there's some talent at it, but it just needs to 
kind of take that next step forward. I love it. Tech that, that, uh, that's how the old run and shoot was like, that was yeah. like, just do what the defense mm-hmm. gives you essentially. And being able to do that as an athlete on the fly while reading the offensive tackle is fantastic. That's what chase young was telling me back at the college football awards. I'm like, what makes you so good? Chase He's just technique. He didn't tell me specifically the way you said, uh-huh. but like yeah. when freak athletes are, when they have good technique, or 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 some you know actual football ability to put it all together. That's yeah. That's when it's you get Ohio watch. State. It's a hashtag fun to watch. Your boy Xavier Thomas. You called him a few years ago. Well, he's only at number five right now. They're gonna unleash him right now. The edge they, defender they, out of yeah. Clemson? That's the thing. So he went from playing true four three defensive end, which is like his body type. He's six two two sixty five. Like he is. That's where he's going. Shaq to play Lawson in the NFL. body to like a three four defensive end in that stupid three down front where he was contain rushing for blitzes like 50% oh, of the time. So I hate it. He didn't really get a chance last year. Not sure what they're going to do this year. They obviously lost like all those safeties that made that defense tick. So uh, we'll see how they deploy it. But I do think just let him rip, like let, let him get some one-on-ones for his first draft stock. At least come on. Is college football ruining our evaluation process? It started with RPOs. Like you can't evaluate a linebacker. The poor dudes are trying to just read the run and they're throwing balls behind them and you don't know, they don't know what they're doing. Now pass rushers aren't unleashed, too many tight fronts, and there's not like throw it out the window. There's not like two true edge rushers in, in college football across the board like there are in the NFL. There's too much much of that nonsense. Play football, college. Come on now. I kinda love it. So do we hit on all your favorites? I was gonna ask you about your class favorites, but it feels like you've been uh you know pretty yeah, excited about a lot of these guys. guys. Yeah. Uh what about going for so remember, go check it out when it comes out. Preseason draft guide, all part of Edge. And elite 365 days of access. So if you're just signing up to get that preseason draft guide, you'll get all the good stuff, including the regular draft guide. So why wait? Um, Let's look forward a little bit to the NFL season. Again, it feels like the NFL draft was years ago, but just, you know, two short months ago this week was the NFL draft. Looking forward, are there teams that stood out to you that I think there'll be an immediate impact from these guys or are there certain fits or players? Like, what are you looking for from this rookie class for the season? I think the one team that really, I'm like, I didn't, I wasn't super high on them heading in the draft, but now I'm like, you know, if things kind of, everything goes right and these guys make an impact, they could, you know, end up winning their division, end up going to the Super Bowl. I think it was the Cardinals was the one team where I'm like, damn, wow, these guys will actually, and obviously, you know, throw DeAndre Hopkins into that mix as well. But like these guys could actually year one, change this team so josh jones in the third round can actually give you some protection right out the gate i think he's that good whether it's at guard or tackle and you got isaiah simmons in the top 10 i think it actually just improve your coverage even if he might be a liability in the run game can do things to coverage that i think will translate right you know from day one so uh, i think the cardinals draft really to me has a chance to be an instant impact we'll see how they do it now kyler murray depends on his development and what he does in there right. too but i do think that they they knocked that one out the park as well as they could have. And they haven't knocked a lot of drafts out the park. We'll just say like, that's been, it's one of the worst drafting teams in the NFL. So they needed this to get them back in contention. So I do think them and the one, like the one team that I thought they, they reached a little bit or like they, they went a position we would not have drafted, but I think they could actually make sense for them is the Colts with what they did. Michael Pittman, Ooh. I think is, a guy who could go for a thousand yards year one in that offense with Philip Rivers, and it's something they didn't have that they needed to get for Philip Rivers. The a fit that we called like months before, like if Michael Pittman goes to the Colts, that's like the deal. That's it. Uh, yeah. And then Jonathan Taylor, I don't love drafting a running back. 
we know this. You don't love drafting a running back behind that offensive line is going to be scary for defenses. Yeah. It's too good of an offensive line with a running back who is too explosive when you give him holes that I think that is just their offense kind of rounded out into something that could be difficult to deal with in the AFC. So, so first off, I like the Cardinals call. Uh, they had the fourth worst coverage grade uh, among live. Their linebackers had the fourth worst coverage grade last year. Hassan Reddick just never developed, right? So, <laughs> One just having <sighs> Isaiah Simmons there replacing him yeah. should be a massive and, upgrade. And, and Hassan Reddick's the the is the versatility that you don't want in the NFL. Correct. Yep. Pass rushing and coverage are two vastly different things. Being able to do both, you'd rather a guy just be good at one. You don't need a guy to be good at both. Like yeah, that's and to be fair, he wasn't good at the coverage aspect of it. He was just athletic. Isaiah Simmons the, is the versatility that you want. Where it's like I'm good at coverage here. At linebacker, and I'm also good at coverage here on the slot and yeah. here as a deep safety, and pretty much wherever you want me to be good in coverage, I'm good at. That's the versatility you want. I like so that's well said because I think guilty as charged. I think I've yeah. when you when you take a pass rusher and it's like you're really only going to drop into coverage 40 or 50 times this year. Like you don't need to be that good at it. Or if you're a good pass rusher and then you have to convert completely to linebacker, sometimes it works. Joe Schobert has had a pretty good little career so far. Sometimes it's a disaster. With and Reddick. Reddick was a guy who, like we talked about, was not winning with power at Temple. He yeah. was winning with speed. He was a speed off guy. Speed crazy bend. Would bend and... Yeah, would bend the edge. And then 240 pounds just never worked out actually rushing the passer. But there's always this mythical world that I paint where it's like that guy is going to be the the third down chess piece, right? Yeah. Like. Is, but you need other pieces. To, you need an Isaiah Simmons that is going to drop into coverage over and over again. And then maybe Reddick's moving around. And But he hasn't even been that great rushing the passer. That, the that's, that's the thing. It's like he, he has to be good at one of them. Like right. if he was a very good pass rusher that also had could drop into coverage a little bit, like we'd be talking about that pick a lot differently. The fact of the matter right. was he was not good at that either. So um, and then you mentioned the Colts. I'm going to I'm going to break some news here. Our. Um, our offensive line rankings are coming out in a couple weeks, and I'm in charge. And Colts are going to have the number one offensive line yeah, in our bit, preseason I mean. O-line rankings. They're all back, all five starters. Shit. Quentin Nelson, your boy, everybody's boy, the number one, probably the best offensive lineman in the NFL for the foreseeable future. I think him and Zach Martin are competing for the top guard spot over the next Where'd few years. Where'd they go years, to school? Right? Yeah, I mean, it's O-line you. Oh, yeah. To think that Notre Dame has produced Quentin Nelson, Zach Martin, and Mike Renner. I mean, <laughs> to think that Notre Dame is able, right? They're, and they're, it's, it's impressive. The, their offensive line coach is still on the street, I think. Harry Heestand, the guy who developed all those guys, Ronnie Stanley. He was with the Bears, right? Did and, he he, go they, to the Bears? and they dropped them this past year for yeah. God knows what reason. But he get had, him back, Notre Dame. Get him back. I always joke, like I used to follow recruiting a little bit. Mike McGlinchey was one of those guys. I'm just like, look at this six foot nine skinny three star. I'm going to kind of just keep an eye on his development. And he was like the classic late bloomer yeah. who looks like he's 50 years old and now is is awesome. And yeah. uh, another Notre Dame Very stud. late bloomer. Very late bloomer. <laughs> but yeah, but he's been fantastic. Ronnie Stanley's one of the best in the league now. But, you know, the Colts have the number one offensive line in the league. Anthony Costanzo, one of the more underrated players in the league. He's back for at least two more years at left tackle. Uh, you mentioned Jonathan Taylor. That is a good little combination between Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack has been very efficient. Yeah. Um, surprised me a little bit. Fourth round pick in 2017. Felt like more of just a speed guy at the time. But he's been 
he's been pretty good. Red zone has been really efficient. Well, you know uh, what do you expect out of Philip Rivers this year with They've been very uh, good with that line? line. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it'll be like Philip Rivers. Um, it, it'll be like moving into like the biggest house he's ever owned from like a one bedroom apartment. <laughs> like that's the pockets he was in in L.A. and I guess San Diego as well. Night and day. Like, the problem it, is he's moving into incredible. a mansion, but is he too old to like walk up all the stairs? <laughs> is he, is <laughs> to, he to too utilize old to it? Use, yeah, yeah, exactly. To take advantage of it, maybe. I, I mean, it, it is worry. Him and him and Brady's their twenty nineteen seasons were worrisome. Like everyone's just like, oh, new situation. They'll be great. Like it's the old Brady. It's the old Rivers. They took steps back, and uh, usually at those ages, like when you take steps back, you don't get steps forward again. You, you know, when you're forty years old. So. We'll see. Uh, I, I'm a little more worried about Rivers than I am Brady, uh, just because the arm is really on its last legs in terms of just like arm strength to wear. I just feel like we've seen that a few times with him, though. I feel I mean, like his arm is never good, but, yeah. but at the same time, like there is there is kind of a tipping point to where like Manning, his last whatever couple of years just had to be perfect. That was a in terms of that was a legitimate cliff. His and arm. like it yeah. had to just be perfect or else like guys are going to jump routes and guy like safeties are fast in the NFL. They're going to like, you can only give them so much leeway. Um, I, I think the Colts will be one of the more fascinating teams to watch. Let's, let's wrap it up with this. Cause you've, you've put a lot of thought into the way the Colts have built that team, the way yeah. they, 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 they've drafted on defense. It's been what three years of drafting now um, for Chris Ballard there. Like, are they, are they the team to beat? in the AFC South with, you know, the way they've built this squad. Plus, well, no matter what you think about Phillip Rivers, this is at least worth the gamble for one year to put him on this squad, isn't it? I think they are the team to be. And I love the way they've drafted, obviously, just like trading back a ton. But they just draft big, long, fast athletes like along that defense. And they keep, no matter the position, no matter how good they feel about it, they keep throwing resources at their defense, knowing that, uh, you know, like that's where you can, you can to some degree scheme up offense. You can plug and play on offense. You can't, can't fake a, a corner running a four, three, like, or like you can't fake a corner with long arms running a four, three, like there, you can't, you, there's only so much you can fake scheme uh, on defense in the NFL. You just have to have guys to run it. So uh, I, I do love the way they've built that team. Now they're still not, I wouldn't call them elite defense by any means, but I do think that on any given Sunday, they can shut down anyone with how much talent, they do have in with that, you know, unique scheme they run. So uh, I think they are a team to be in the SC South. Like I, I think that is the best roster right now in the SC South. I, I agree. I, I think they've, they've, they've hit the margins pretty well by playing a little bit more zone by finding their type of athlete. I mean, I do, they've been a fascinating team building and, and they are all process. In. like you yeah. throw a first or DeForest Buckner. You're all in. So we'll see. They need to figure out the wide. If Michael Pittman hits the ground running, if Paris, I think that helps Paris Campbell to just truly be like the number three to be, you know, not have to be a number a two wide roster. receiver yeah. as a second rounder. And, um, you know, they could do some good things. Mm-hmm. So anyway, thank you, Michael. That was great. It's fun. One. Be sure to check out my two for one drafts podcast over wherever you're listening to our podcast or on the PFF YouTube channel. And don't forget all the hard work he's putting in right now. Preseason draft guide. It's all part of your edge or elite package. So if you're already signed up, just keep an eye out for it in early August. And if you don't have it, you can just sign up now. And remember that in early August, it's going to be in your inbox. Preseason draft guide. Is it going to be the best one we've ever done? 
No, that was the last one. It was it was oh, okay. Dope. This one's okay. this one's more. We're trying to offer more like on the website that if you get the you know edge release subscription, you'll be able to more interactive stuff to utilize. Oh, I like that. Uh, in terms of the draft guide this year is just going to be literally player profiles this preseason one. So you're going to get the profiles, nothing else. And then there's going to be a lot of stuff that's actually on the website that can be more, a little bit more dynamic than a PDF. Cause no one likes, I, I, I opened up the PDF and just like trying to find something. It's not an ideal format. We understand that, but we're PFF. We do not have it resources. <laughs> <laughs> Some of our it friends are listening. They know. Uh, if you're an IT guy and you need a job, pff.com. And well, yeah. the other thing is when you sign up, you get the PDF. The PDF isn't all bad because it's over 1,200 pages from the 2020 draft. Yeah, so yeah. you'll also get that as well. You can download it. So uh, go check it out at pff.com. Thank you, Michael. We will do Thank it you, again Steve. sometime closer to draft time. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Sam might be back on Monday. I don't know if that's going to get, I don't know if that's good or bad, but. Sam's back Monday. We'll talk to you guys then.